With every breath, I long to follow Jesus. I wonder how true that is of us on a daily basis. As you know, we're in Colossians, and it has been a challenging study. We've got a lot going on at church and a lot going on in life. Some of you may know my wife is out of town. Uh, She went out of town last week and coming back next week, went last Wednesday to this Wednesday. And so... uh, um, have more to do than I normally have to do. I was telling someone uh, just this morning that uh, the dishes don't wash themselves, <laughs> and neither do the clothes. I, 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 was, I was told that uh, someone complimented me on my suit this morning, and I said, well, my wife's not here. I just wear what's clean in the closet, <laughs> and, and so uh, it, it, it gets kind of Hectic. Some of you also know that we are moving offices. We're moving out of the old offices. They start tearing down the interior walls um, tomorrow morning. And uh, so we've had to relocate. And many of you helped us move things into storage and helped us move things to different locations. By the way, I don't think I took time last week to thank those of you who came for work day last Saturday. Many hands make light work and great fellowship. And so thank all of you that were able to participate and to be there for that. We were able to get a lot done in a short period of time. The only problem with packing up and relocating is then you have to unpack and uh, everything has to go where it belongs and so uh, we can we can thank the Lord and Kinder Irish that we have uh, everything that we need for those services this morning. Um, we uh, it, It's just been kind of hectic but in my studies in, in Colossians I had, was able to set aside time Friday a, a, a all day, basically, a nice large block of time to just simply pray again through the passage, to dig into the Word of God, and to to the Lord has really been as we as I've been preparing for this series, been convicting me and working on me, and I, I pray that that I'm not the only one. I pray that God moves and works in your heart as well as we study through this passage of Scripture. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus. Is is that true? I can tell you that I've had some learnings, and that is uh, um, the way that Paul phrases it in this prayer is he prays that they will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And and I've decided it can't be done. (laughs) And, And don't look at me like that. You can't do it either. Here's what happens when we try to walk worthy of the Lord, not dependent upon Christ in me, yet not I, but through Christ in me. When we try to walk worthy of the Lord on our own, as soon as you decide that you're going to love your brother, God's going to send you a brother that gets on your last nerve. As soon as you decide that you're not going to sin in anger, you're going to be driving down the road and some driver's going to cut you off. And you're going to cuss with your horn. As soon as you decide that today I'm going to watch my mouth and only speak those things that build people up, you're going to hear a juicy piece of gossip and somebody's going to call you on the phone. And your temptation, the next thing you know is you're you're passing it on. You're going to say, today, Father, I want the fruit of the Spirit of patience to be in my life. I'm not going to lose my patience. And you're going to have a hard day at work or something's going to set you off and you're going to come home and your husband or your wife or your kids are going to experience your impatience. As soon as you say, I'm going to trust the Lord today, I'm going to be anxious for nothing, the very next thing you know, something's going to happen, and it's going to just sit and dwell on your mind. 
um, Suzanne, in her wisdom, is the one who checks the mail at our house. The last time she went out of town, she was the one who checked the mail at our house, which means that it, the mailbox was overflowing by the time that she got back because I didn't go down in the mailbox once until, she, until right before she got home. And, and so in her wisdom, she said, let's have them hold the mail, <laughs> at least for a few days, and then it'll be easier. Well, I went to the mailbox yesterday, and we were expecting... A bundle of mail from Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday's mail. And there were only three pieces of mail in there. There was no bundle of mail. As soon as I determined I'm not going to worry about something, I started worrying. Where'd that go? There's supposed to be some pretty important stuff in there. What are we supposed to do about that? Do you understand what I'm saying? As soon as you determine, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to walk worthy of the Lord. People are going to see Jesus in me, and yet when I'm not depending upon Jesus in me, it's an impossibility. It is impossible to live worthy of the Lord apart from a close relationship and dependence upon the Lord. Surrendering to Him, being in His Word. When I am surrendered to Him, when I am learning and considering and meditating upon the truth of His Word, it is amazing. And when I spend time in prayer, communing with him. It is amazing the difference in my attitude. It is amazing the difference in my character. It is amazing the difference in my conduct. And Christ in me, through me, is able to live a life worthy of the Lord. I, I have talked to people and many times I've heard people say, you know, I'd, I was in a situation that was just horrible and I wasn't sure, you know, th- this is the way I normally respond, but Man, I had been in prayer, I had been thinking, and God brought this, this scripture to mind, and I was able to respond appropriately. I don't know how I was able to do it at that time. I can tell you how you were able to do it at that time. It's because of your connection and dependence upon Christ and His power working in you. Our studies on prayer. That's why we pray. I guess another way to say the sermon title today, because we're talking about intercession, praying for one another, but another way to say the sermon uh, title today is to say that in prayer, through our connection with Christ, all that's involved with prayer, we have the power to live a life worthy of the Lord. Now we're talking specifically about intercession, and you know what intercession is. Intercession is standing in the gap. The definition in its noun form is the action of intervening on behalf of another. It's symbolized in the Old Testament tabernacle in the altar of incense. You guys remember the altar of incense? It's where they would burn and smoke and incense would arise to God, symbolizing our prayers to God. Where was the altar of incense located? Sunday school grads. It was right outside the Holy of Holies. Right outside the Holy of Holies. It is between the people and their needs and God who... who dwells in, in, at least symbolically, the holy of holies there. And so when we intercede, we are approaching the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the universe, the one with whom nothing is impossible. And we're asking for him to act mightily on somebody's behalf. So when we pray for one another, when you pray for someone, you're going to the, the, the God of the universe... 
and you're asking something specifically for them. But here's the problem. Too many times, we don't know what to ask for. We don't know how to pray as we are. We don't know what's going on. Several years ago, I did some work for a state agency that serves clients by helping them prepare to enter the workforce. At one of the orientation meetings, the presenter was talking and she was orienting people. I was in the room and and here's what she said. She said, now we have clients that are dealing with a variety of different issues where it might be physical, might be mental, might be emotional, could be any number of things. And talking to the group, she said, you don't know what they are. When we give instructions or we establish guidelines for someone and they're different from yours, you need to trust that we are working in the best interest of the client. As an example, several years ago, we had a party to recognize the success of some of our clients. We served a variety of snacks, including fruit tray and cake and nuts and pretzels and cake. Something for everybody. There was one man to whom we did not give cake. We passed him by. He asked for it. He wanted it, but we told him no. And instead, he was given plenty of other choices. He did not go hungry. Some of his friends felt sorry for him, though, and so they snuck him cake. (laughs) Here, you can have a piece of cake. I'll go get an extra piece, and I'll pass it on to you. And it wasn't just one friend. He had a lot of friends. And so he ended up eating a lot of cake. And it caused his sugar to skyrocket. And he had a diabetic condition. And because of the way that he ate, he entered into a diabetic seizure. And at the party... It ended with an ambulance showing up and him being hospitalized because they didn't know his needs, and we did. Now here's what we do when we pray for somebody. Too many times we pray, God, give them cake. Give them what they want. Give them what we think is best for them. God, give them cake when we ought to be praying for a pretzel or a grape. Here's the point. God uses circumstances in our lives to refine us. We know this. We studied James together. God uses circumstances to teach us endurance and to strengthen our faith. Sometimes God uses circumstances in our lives to discipline us and to train us in the way that he would have us to go. Is God sovereign? Does God cause all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Absolutely. We need to make sure that we're not praying outside of the will of God, but that we are praying in accordance to the will of God. Now, I am not saying that you should not pray for people who are in difficult circumstances. If you are sick or injured, you need to ask for prayer. And you need to be praying for people who are sick and who are injured. Saturday, Friday... Friday, I got a call from Suzanne who said, Have you heard? I said, Heard what? Stephen cut his foot off. No, Keegan cut his foot off. No, that's not exactly how it went. It's just what I heard. She said, Keegan injured his foot, splitting wood. He ended up going to the hospital, ended up getting stitches. But she said, I don't know if you've heard or not, but it could be serious. We don't have a lot of information. Will you pray? And I thought, Should I pray for spiritual? No, I said, Of course I will pray. We pray, when you, find somebody, when you hear somebody's got COVID, when you hear somebody is sick or has the flu, 
You are to, James chapter 5 makes that abundantly clear. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And what is the context of that prayer? One of you who are sick, call the elders that they may anoint them and pray for them. You pray for the physical needs. Not only that, you should pray for God's comfort for the bereaved. Saturday, my dad called me to let me know that a dear friend of his had passed away and asked me specifically to pray for that man's family. And so we spent time together praying for the bereaved. You should pray. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for people who have financial needs. I I talked to a family this week who are facing crippling medical bills. And we spent time praying specifically for God's provision for them. You are to pray for relationship needs. When you know somebody is in conflict or there's a broken relationship or something, there's con- strife of some kind, you should be praying for them. Legitimate, appropriate, praying to address those needs. Friday, Scott and I got to have lunch together. We got to pray for uh, we, and, and talk about and discuss a, a, a couple who are having... To, you pray for relational needs. I am saying, though, that if you simply pray for temporal needs, your prayers are incomplete. You can do better. Your prayers are incomplete. You're not praying as fully and as completely as we need to. God, we will need to pray in accordance with God's will. Our call to prayer is to pray for Christians. What we said last week was to pray for the strong in the same way that Paul prayed for the Christians at Colossae. And so I want us to go back and look at his prayer again. We're going to go in a little bit more detail. Last week we kind of skimmed the whole thing. But when you pray that someone walks worthy of the Lord, we need to know exactly what we're praying for. And so we've read the text. He begins in verse 9 by saying, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be, this is important, what are we praying for you unceasingly? We're praying that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a matter worthy, in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Now we're going to go deeper into this next week, but I want us to just start right there. Paul is praying for these Christians that they'll know God like He knows them. He knows Him. That they will walk with God like He is walking with God. That they will experience what He is experiencing. So here's the deal. When you and I pray for one another, by the way, how did it go last week? Did you intercede more last week? You told me you would. Did you intercede more last week? Did you pray for me? Good, good. Please do. Matter of fact, if nothing else, take this as a lesson on how to pray for Marty. Okay? But Paul is praying for them something that he is experiencing. And so as we go through this study to learn, all right, how can I pray more fully, more completely, definitely in line with the will of God? I want to pray the same thing for me. You should be praying for yourself the same thing that you're praying for other people. And so he's praying for them what he has experienced. And he says, I pray... And the, 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 the phrase in this, in this uh, the, kind of the summary phrase in the first part of this prayer is verse 10, that you will walk 
in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean to live worthy of the Lord? We're just saying, with every breath I long to follow Jesus. How do we live worthy of the Lord? And so, let's look at the terminology a little bit. The word worthy is the Greek word axios, and it means appropriate or fitting or matching in actual value. Isn't that great? Matching in actual value. Worthy. It is used sometimes and described as a scale. The picture is that of a scale on one side is the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, worthy of the Lord. Jesus lives in me. Correct? Yes. Jesus lives in me. But on the other side, the scale is me, my body, my countenance, my face, my words, my character, my attitude. The question is, are the scales in balance? When people see me, do they see the Lord Jesus Christ in me? To live worthy of the Lord is to live representing Christ Jesus in you. Does your life show forth Jesus Christ who indwells you? Worthy. Let me give you a fairly common example of a life out of balance. I have a Facebook profile. And I have a friend on Facebook that I went to high school with years and years ago. And she posts frequently, and somehow I'm not quite sure how, how all this works. I don't know the algorithms, but she shows up in my feed frequently. You guys know what that means, right? And so I see whatever she puts on her wall, or I see a lot of it. And one day, depending upon her circumstances or who she is talking and responding to, she'll put a Bible verse or she'll put a statement like, God is good all the time. And it will be, I think, just a very, very appropriate, very God-honoring. But her very next post, sometimes on the same day, will be borderline vile. It'll criticize a family member, an acquaintance, or an online friend. Profanity is not uncommon. Even using the Lord's name in vain is not uncommon. All interspersed with verses and sweetness. Do you understand the disconnect there? Yes? Out of balance? Not consistency? Not consistent? What she professes with her mouth and the way she often walks does not match the actual value of Jesus. She's not, in that aspect, living a life worthy of the Lord. Worthy of the Lord is living in such a way so that people can see that what we profess is real. That what we say about Jesus is real. It's re- they can see it by the way that we live. Three things really quick. It deals with our character. In Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome. 16 is the last chapter. He's giving greetings and he gives an exhortation to them right at the very first of that chapter. And he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Kintre, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, worthy of the holy ones, worthy of the ones who have been set apart, worthy of Christians and believers, those who reflect. And it deals with our character. And he goes on that and exhorts them that they are to help her in whatever she may need from them, because she has been a helper to so many. And so you've got that aspect of it. Worthy deals with our character, how we present ourselves. There's another component to this as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul gives this exhortation. I'm going to run through these quick, so just write them down. All right? That was Romans 16, 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 4, you remember what's happened in the book of Ephesians? 
the Apostle Paul's writing, he gets to 1, 2, and 3 are the things that they are to believe and know, and then 4, 5, and 6 is how they're to behave. What is, how does chapter 4 start? That they are, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, to urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. It deals with your calling. We, we, it deals with our, our character. It deals with our calling. Our calling out of the world. Our calling from darkness into light. Our calling away from sin into dependence upon the righteousness of Christ that has been applied to our account. Our calling to give glory to Him in all that we do. And then it deals very specifically with our conduct. And, and I've got another one I want to add here. But Philippians chapter 1 verse 7 no, Philippians 1.27, again, write it down so you can look it up later. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life, that's your conduct, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so, what you do, what you think, how you behave, all right, it deals with all of it. But I want to add one, and I, I'm, the, re, the reference would be uh, in, in Genesis. It needs to be it, it also impacts your countenance. It impacts your face, your character, your conduct, your calling, and your countenance matters. Um, I have a friend that many of you know, and I love him. I used to give him such a hard time about this. But he would preach, but before he would preach, he would sit in a chair on the platform like this. And people always thought, boy, he's mad. Or when he was just sitting, he would be in, in a meeting, and he would sit there, and he'd have this look on his face like I'm fixing to pick up a stick and hit you with it. I began to realize he's not mad, he's not angry. That's his resting face. How's your resting face? You guys, some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. How's your resting face? How's your animated face? You do understand that your countenance shows forth or can show forth. You need to be aware of your countenance. It shows forth what's going on in your character, what's going on in your calling as a saint, what's going on in your conduct. And so worthy of the Lord is living in such a way that others see Jesus in me. And that's the first point on your outline. Let others. Here's, 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 here's the point. What it means to be worthy is that which is inside the Lord Jesus Christ and that which is outside my character, my contract, my countenance, my calling is on display. Let others see Jesus in me. And so when you're praying for someone else, you need to be praying for them in every circumstance and situation. Something like this. I pray that as you face today, that the things that you think and do will match Jesus and that they will be fully pleasing to Him. Can you pray that to someone who is sick? For someone who is sick? Can you pray that for someone who is in financial troubles? Can you pray that for someone who is having a relational conflict? Do you understand what I'm saying? More than God bless them. More than God heal them. But God, I pray that today, as they go through the circumstance, their life will be worthy of you. So how do we do this? What does it mean specifically to live a life worthy of the Lord? Well, Scripture tells us, I love this. Scripture, He doesn't leave it up to us to guess. He says in verse 9, be filled. Be filled. Now, it's to be filled with something. We're to be filled 
with the knowledge of His will. Let's talk about that. Be filled for just a moment. Be filled. It didn't say, go fill yourself up. It says, be filled. That is a passive voice. It is something that happens to you. Now, we're going to talk about how that happens to you in just a moment. Don't go to sleep. This is good stuff. This is great stuff for those who, with every breath, long to follow Jesus. What happens is, we become filled. So full of Christ. So full of the Word of God. So filled by the Spirit of God. Controlled by the Spirit of God. That there's not room for anything else. I didn't bring this up here so I would have something to drink while we were while I was preaching. I brought it up here as an illustration. Uh, I appreciate uh, the coffee, by the way. Uh, and when I took the lid off, I don't know if you guys go to this particular place to get coffee or not, but when I, I took the lid off, the coffee was all the way to the brim. All the way to the brim. As a matter of fact, it was to the brim to the extent I couldn't keep it in the cup. You guys... You guys know what that's like. I, I went the other day to uh, Starbucks to get coffee and she handed me the cup. She said, do you want room for cream? I said, no, I don't want room for cream. No. Typically, my perspective is the more coffee, the better. And so just just, just no room. Just, just, just coffee. And so she handed me this cup of scalding hot coffee that had, was filled so that getting it out of the window... And getting it into the cup holder, I spilt it on my hand. Have you ever spilt scalding hot coffee on your hand? Okay. Well, my hand reacted. And so I spilt it on basically the roof, the windshield, the dash. <laughs> I spilt it everywhere. But I got news for you. There wasn't room in that cup for cream. Fully filled, completely filled. Be filled. Now, this is passive. It's something that God does in us. Now, there are things that we do, all right? But we are to be being filled to the brim. It's, it's how Paul described his ministry to the church at Colossae, the ministry that God uh, has, uh, has given to him. And if you just look further down in the chapter of Colossians 1.24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, listen to this, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me to make the word of God fully known. Paul says this is it. This is the whole thing. I don't want to play with this. There's not room for me to intermix the word of God with other things. There's not room for me to be distracted by other things fully known. And so, just, we are to be filled. But what are we to be filled with? How does that work? To be fully known, to be, uh, verse verse 9, let me get back. And so, from the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Alright? With the knowledge of His will. Well, let's, let's talk about the word knowledge. I'm supposed to be filled with something. What am I supposed to be filled with? First of all, simply knowledge. The Greek word is gnosis. In this context, is epinosis. It speaks specifically to knowledge that is revealed. One of the things, as you study the book of Colossians, you will find that there is false teaching that had come in, and it's basically incipient Gnosticism. I don't know if that matters to you, but I will tell you that there were people who had come to the church and say, there's another level of spiritual knowledge. There's another level of spirituality. It's 
not for everybody. It's just for a few. And their source was mystic writings and special revelation. Paul here is flying in the face of that saying, you can know epignosis upon knowledge. You can have knowledge upon knowledge that is revealed to you by God. You can know what the will of God is in every circumstance and in every situation. But it is revealed to you and it is revealed to you by the Word of God and revealed to your heart, illuminated to you by the Spirit of God. How does that work? Again, another letter that Paul wrote is Romans chapter 12. And most of us have memorized chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't live like you used to live. Now you're being made into something that you've never been before. You can be transformed to live a life worthy of the Lord. How? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And what happens then? You prove, you test, you show forth the reality what God's will is in every circumstance and in every situation. Okay? So here's, if you want, to, if you want with every breath, you long to follow Jesus. If you want your life to give glory to God, and when you're praying this for other believers in church, you pray, yes, fill them with knowledge, your knowledge that you reveal eternal truth. Now, I've got to tell you, when you're looking for knowledge, when you are, you, you can't get it apart from the Word of God. God has given us His Word. He has preserved His Word. He has brought it to us. And we are to be students of His Word. You can't profess to be a Christian to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and not be in the Word of God. And I have to tell you, that, that is so convicting. How much time... Let me talk to the men here just for a minute. Guys, too many times we want our wives to be the spiritual leader of our kids and grandkids. It's your job. You want your kids to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Now, it's not your job alone. It's your job together. But you can't abdicate it. you understand what I'm saying? The spiritual leader role? So you want your kids and your grandkids to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? You need to be in the Word. They need to be in the Word. If, and I will tell you that it is highly unlikely that if you're not praying and studying the Word of God, it's highly unlikely that your kids will. And so we pray that for others. We pray it for ourselves. And so we need to be, have our minds renewed by the Word of God. It's Ephesians 4.23. You want, you want to... A behavioral change? You want an attitude change? Ephesians 4.23. And so how do you pray for somebody else? I pray that God will reveal His truth to you today through His Word. And that you will surrender your will to His. See, a lot of times we know what God would have us to do. We just don't want to do it. And so I pray that God will bring us to the point of brokenness, a point of... Yieldingness, a point of surrender, so that 
knowing the will of God in this circumstance and situation. I'm able to do it. And we're going to, next week, by the way, next week's the fun week. Come back next week. There's any way you find, because we've been talking about strength and power. Remember how I started this sermon? It's impossible to live the Christian life apart from the presence of God and the power of God in your life. So how do we channel that presence and power? You start simply by pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and submitting to Him continually and being committed to His Word, not only knowing what He says, but then applying what He says. That's a point we're going to get to here in just a minute. And, and, and then God infuses His power in you and through you as you renewed in the Spirit of your mind. Renew my mind in His Word. Two things more, and this is how we're going to end this. Uh, he says in verse 9, And so from the day we have heard it, well, I mean, yeah, we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled, and that's ongoing filling, ongoing not one time, but filled every day, filled in this circumstance, filled right now, with the knowledge of His will, so I can know, know His will, what He desires, the lemma, His guidance, in every circumstance and in every situation of life, but how, are you, how does this, what are, the, what are the modifiers here? In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As I was studying this week, I uh, uh, prayed for Sophia specifically. Uh, the, the word for wisdom is Sophia. So you are, are wise. Your name is wise. So what is, what is wisdom? What is spiritual wisdom? The, the application of that specifically is taking knowledge that has been revealed and applying it appropriately in every circumstance and situation. Wisdom is when you take revealed knowledge and you apply it in the circumstance. A person who is wise rightly applies knowledge in their circumstances of life. Here's what we can do. We can have knowledge. We can study. We can do Greek word studies. We can outline and exegete books. We can do all of those great things that, that, that feed our minds. But until we determine to obey, to put into practice the things that God has revealed to you, it's worthless. It's, it's no good. Knowledge is good. I want to tell you, knowledge is good. All right? You need to go to school. You need to study. You, you need to get all of the knowledge that you can. When it comes to spiritual wisdom, it comes from the Word of God. And it comes from illumination from the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And, um, and then He leads you, as you obey, as you yield and submit your will to Him, how to rightly apply that. There are a bunch of examples. I won't take them. In Acts chapter 6, you guys remember when uh, the ch first church was started, the first conflict came up that the Hellenistic... Uh, Jewish widows were not being fed and they were told to select six men who were, what? What was their characteristic? Filled with the Spirit and with wisdom. You'll see again and again and again the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and wisdom go hand in hand throughout Scripture. Uh, Paul talks about this. It, it deals with how you behave in different circumstances and situations. I, I'm not going to take the time to go through all of the passages that I looked up that illustrate this. Here's what I'm going to tell you. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus. I just want God to be glorified in me. We want to be increasing. We want increasingly for God to be glorified in us this week over last week. Yes? 
then you need to be filled. All right, I'm open. Here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. How do I be filled? I get knowledge that is revealed as I pray and study the Word of God. And that knowledge then expresses itself in wisdom in how I respond to the circumstances of life. And what I face today. And then God infuses His power working mightily in me so that the things that I can't do, I can do now through His might that works in me. Does that make sense? Can you love the unlovely? Can you get cut off in traffic and not lose your temper? Maybe. Can you deal with severe illness? Can, can you face bereavement and loss and grief? And God be glorified in those circumstances? And still have joy in those circumstances? You can. You can. Through Christ in you. Surrendered to Christ, committed to His Word. You can't walk worthy if you aren't in the Word. So wisdom and then understanding. And I'm going to close with this. This is really good. I love the word understanding. It's two Greek words that are put together. Sun, essay, and it means to put together. Did you know that you can know the will of God? It's not some secret mystical thing that only a few people can know. God who lives within you wants you to know His will. It would be foolish to think otherwise. To put together. Sun, essay. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can face a question or a challenge or a difficulty and you can say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to respond. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. I don't know, God, what you're doing in this circumstance and situation. And you bring that to God in prayer. And you say, Father, I'm yours. With every breath, with this breath, I long to follow you. I want you to be increasingly glorified in me today. And so, what's the knowledge that I need to have? And how do I put this knowledge into practice? And because you've been in the Word of God, He will bring to mind that. Or because you have the Scriptures open, He will show you how He dealt with somebody in the Old Testament. Or a declaration, propositional truth about His character. Or a simple command. And you have the knowledge, and then you have the wisdom. So that means this is what I'm to do. And you respond by saying, I can't, but you can. And by faith, the life which I now live, I live by faith. I'm trusting you to do this in me. And you're able to do what only God can do. Isn't that amazing? Victory. Peace. By the way, joy's coming. It's a few verses down. Just hold on. Come back next week. That's where you get joy. That's where you get peace. That's where you become stable, steadfast in your Christian walk. Do you know people who are just, it, when you see them and you talk to them, they're just enveloped by the love of God. They just show forth the love of Christ. They show forth His character, His commitment. They, they, even their countenance reflects the glory of God. That's who God calls us to be. Live in a way that is worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that? By allowing Him to fill you with the knowledge of His will in every circumstance and situation. And that's how we pray for one another. So if you don't know how to pray for me, there are three prayer statements. I want you to pray that as I face the things I'm facing today, regardless of what they are, 
that my behavior and my countenance and my character and my conduct will match the Lord Jesus Christ as He lives His life through me. I want you to pray that I'll know what I'm supposed to do by being in His Word. That I won't get lazy and I won't get slack and I won't just kind of skim the Word of God, but that I will dig for meat in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will give me understanding and apply His truth to my life. I want you to pray that I will, in wisdom, take that truth and apply it to the circumstances, that I'll be filled with His wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 17 says it comes from above, and that I will have under, I'll be able to put all that together under His leading more and more. And what's what Paul did in Acts chapter 16, where the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go to Asia, and he got the Macedonian call. You guys remember that story? This door was closed. He had a vision. He had godly counsel with his team. And he says, and we put together. We concluded that God was calling us to Macedonia. Isn't that great? I think that's fantastic. I love you. You know what happens when, 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 when I get this right and you get this right? We have a congregation that is a network of people consistently approaching the throne of grace. And we're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And His name, He's increasingly glorified. Your family's going to think you've lost your mind. Your friends are not going to understand what's going on. And you will, will be able to show forth. Again, as a whole congregation, we will be able to show forth the glory of God wherever He places us. Father, thank You. Thank You that when You command us to do something, You tell us how to do it. Not only do You tell us how to do it, You tell us that You'll do it in us and through us. What you desire of us is obedience. It's submission. It's cleansing for us to own where we have failed. For us to own where we've not allowed you to be Lord. For us to own those places where the Christ who lives within us is not displayed in our character or in our conduct or in our calling or in our countenance. I pray, Father, that you will conform us to the image of your Son that you will increasingly be glorified in us. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.